You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. What's going on, guys? Hope that you are doing so well. We are in part two of our series, Word to the Wise. We are looking through different passages in the book of Proverbs. And off the top here, uh, last week I said there were 29 chapters in Proverbs. There are not. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs. So just want to correct that mistake. I would love to say that it was a test and I was going to see if anybody caught it, but it wasn't. It was just an oversight on my part. Uh, Last week, we also talked about how different Proverbs addressed friendships specifically. If you didn't listen to that, you can go back and listen to last week's episode. This week, instead of focusing so much on a singular topic, I want to camp out in a 10-verse passage found in Proverbs chapter 3 and look at some different things. Um, that Solomon says, as we said last week, when, when King Solomon was writing these Proverbs, it was personal. Um, it wasn't with you and I in mind. It was intentionally written to his sons. And even though it wasn't on his mind, it was on God's mind to use this to uh, impact you and I today. So personally, I think it carries even more weight because Solomon was writing this to, to people who he had personal relationship with. These weren't general principles thrown out loosely to a group of people, but but to people he had held most dear. And it doesn't negate it from being very beneficial from us today, because I think it makes it more powerful that he was writing it to specific people in mind. So we're going to start Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. It says this, My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands, for they will bring you many days of full life and well-being. The first point this week is in our heart, not just our head. I love the way that Solomon starts this passage because it's a reminder to his son, but also to us that we have to go beyond just knowing a concept or beyond just knowing a principle or or beyond just knowing a command. The problem for many of us is that we allow things to stay head knowledge instead of allowing them to become heart knowledge. Because here's the truth, your mind, my mind can hold all kinds of information without transforming our heart. Let me say that again. Our minds can hold so much information without it transforming our heart. And if, if we claim to follow Jesus, we must be people who allow God to penetrate our hearts. Because here's the thing, I, there's so many things that I know, that I know, I know that I should be patient with my kids. I know that I shouldn't judge people who are different than me. I know that I shouldn't let the Chicago Bears determine my mood on Sundays. I know these things, right? But until I let God write them on my heart, I am not becoming. Until I allow God to penetrate the deepest part of my being, I am not growing. I am not being transformed. So if I want patience, and if, if I want the ability to, to have discernment, if I want to not be judgmental, if I want to not let a stupid game determine a mood for any period of time, I have to let God transform my heart, not just retain information in my mind. It takes intentionality to turn information into transformation. It takes intentionality. And what Solomon is communicating thousands of years ago is what we still struggle with today. He's saying, I'm not telling you to just know it in your head. I'm telling you to know it in your heart. And it has to be something that, that, that makes the trip from your head to your heart. It goes on to say this, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 through 4. It says, never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. 
then you will find favor and high regard with God and people. Again, Solomon talks about writing these things on the tablet of your heart. Like It's so important that we understand this isn't about head knowledge. This is about heart knowledge. I want to look at these two words, loyalty and faithfulness. Loyalty and faithfulness. What, what Solomon is saying here is that whether it be in our horizontal relationships with one another or in our vertical relationship with God, these two values are absolutely essential. In our human relationships, we obviously want people who are loyal and faithful, right? We, we also want to be those people. We want loyalty and faithfulness to be something that, that marks us, that defines us. Because wishy-washy people aren't people that we want to, to do life with. And if we are wishy-washy people, we, people do not want to do life with us. They don't want to seek us out. We don't want to seek them out. And then we lose relationships. Here's the thing. At the, at the core of our humanity, we crave those traits, loyalty and faithfulness in our relationships. And it's because of our creator. It's because of our creator. He is our perfect example. Three different verses out of dozens and dozens and dozens that talk about the faithfulness of God. Psalm chapter 36, verse 5. Lord, your faithful love reached to heaven, your faithfulness to the clouds. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 23. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? Since he who promised is faithful, faithful. The reason that we crave faithfulness, the reason that we crave loyalty in our relationship is because God is faithfulness. He is loyalty. We get the opportunity to be loyal and faithful to the people that God has called us to be because he has already gone before us and been the God we need him to be. That his faithfulness should breed faithfulness in our own lives. Would loyalty and faithfulness mark our relationship with Jesus? And would they mark how we love people and how we serve people in our lives? That whether it's individually or as a community, would people say, like, no, we can count on them. They are faithful to do what they said. They are loyal. And it would we be people who are loyal to Jesus and in turn create loyalty in all of the other relationships that we get the privilege of being in? Verses 5 through 6 go on to say this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him and he will make your paths straight. The next point is this, we don't have to know all things if we know him. We don't have to know all things if we know him. As human beings, we have such a bad habit of leaning on our own understanding. And here's the problem, you and I will never understand everything that we want to understand. We will never understand everything that we want to understand. If we define our lives by how much we know, we are, we're just setting ourselves up for a life of frustration. We will never grasp the complexities of science. We will never grasp the complexities of mathematics or human relationships. We will never grasp the, the complexities of the, the female brain. Just kidding. Just kidding. I made that joke last night and I had to really make sure that people knew that I was kidding. I'm not I'm not some kind of uh, person who who doesn't value women. I just I, I ran this joke by my wife and she was like, yeah, it's fine. So I still said it. But in all seriousness, we will never know. We will never know enough things to make our lives feel complete. We'll never know enough things to make our lives feel complete. Instead of the pursuit of knowing more stuff, would we be people who pursue knowing the heart of God? 
If we become people who pursue the, the heart of God over knowing more stuff, we will find more completeness and more wholeness than we thought possible. See, as we are asking God to write things on our heart, to take it from head knowledge to, to, to heart knowledge, to, to write it on the tablets of our heart, would we be people who are pursuing the things that are written on God's heart so that we can live lives that when we say, Lord, help me see people the way that you see people, help me hear people the way that you hear people, would my heart break for what breaks yours? Like all of those things, would it be something that we actually mean as we pursue knowing the heart of God? We don't want to just know things. We want to know God. And if we know God, we will in turn know more things. It also says in this passage that he will make our paths straight. So straight paths. Life too often feels like a winding road, doesn't it? I love the picture of a straight path. A straight path that is set out before us. When the path is straight, you go with confidence because you can see what is right ahead. But here's the thing. A straight path doesn't always mean that you can see the destination. I think this picture reminds us that, that we can take the next step with courage and confidence, believing that as we go down it, God will continue to make our way clear as we faithfully obey. So think about in, that, in your mind, whether it's driving or say, say you're on a hike, like if you have a straight path before you, you can see where you're going. It's so like encouraging, but it, it could only be for 20 yards. But you're like, hey, for the next 20 yards, I can be faithful to just put one foot in front of the other. I can walk this out, but there's going to be a curve. There's going to be a turn. But we have to have faith and, and operate in obedience, understanding that he will continue to take the, make the next path straight as well. That we won't always know the destination. But we can be confident that we know the next couple steps. And if we're obedient in that, then we'll know the next couple steps and the next couple steps. So we are just trying to faithfully obey and trust that God will set our path straight. Verses 7 through 8 uh, go on to say this. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening to your bones. So the next point, very straightforward. Don't be wise in your own eyes. We are not called to be wise in our own eyes. It's something that we can all struggle with at times. We can call it pride or we could call it ego, whatever you want to call it. What, what it comes down to is whether or not we will be willing to recognize it in ourselves. That we don't want to be people who, who are prideful of who we are, or what we know, or have ego about that. And one of the things that we have to avoid is the temptation to look inward at ourselves and think that we have it all figured out. Because if we're honest, we can really confidently say, we do not. We do not have it all figured out. We need to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto Jesus. All the answers are found in him, not in our own wisdom. So as followers of Jesus, as people, we don't want to be wise in our own eyes. We don't want to look inward and say, man, I've got this. I'm, I'm, I'm set. But we want to be people who are constantly focused, laser focused on Jesus, saying, but you do. You have all wisdom, all power, all might. And so I'm going to follow your lead. I'm not going to try to create wisdom in my own eyes. Then, I, then a question, what does it mean to fear the Lord? Solomon immediately follows his wise in your own eyes statement with an encouragement to fear the Lord. I'm actually reading a book in one of our small groups right now that's all about this, and I'm not going to try to attempt the an to answer this question in its entirety in just a couple minutes. Um, John Bevere wrote, writes this book, The Awe of God, and he takes a whole book trying to, to describe it. And 
Um, I'm only like 50 pages into it and I'm still like, I don't understand what it means to fear the Lord, but I'm hoping that I will slowly understand it. And what I want to do in, in, in an answer of some sort to this question is to take a look, uh, at a quick thought from John Bevere in this. He lists a bunch of ways to, to, to recognize a healthy fear of the Lord. And one of them stuck out in, in, uh, a really in, interesting way as we, we talk through this Proverbs chapter three, he says this, he says, to fear God is to walk in authentic humility before God and mon- mankind. To fear God is to walk in authentic humility before God and mankind. Authentic humility. This is this is how we avoid being wise in our own eyes, to understand that it is our calling to walk humbly before the Lord. It is our calling to walk humbly before others. That we would have authentic humility before God and mankind, understanding that He is the solution, not us. That we would humble ourselves and say, not my wisdom, your wisdom. Not my way, your way. Not my direction, your direction. That we get to, in authentic humility, walk humbly before the the Lord. And that will affect all of our relationships, not just with Him, but all of our relationship with others if we are submitted to the wisdom of Christ. That's not just that is just one of many ways that we can have a healthy fear of God, but it should be a place that we operate out of authentic humility. Verses nine through ten say this honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. At first, I kind of thought that this was like a hard left from the rest of the passage, but I think these verses just lean further in towards our posture towards God. We talk about a posture of loyalty, a posture of faithfulness, a, a posture of focusing our eyes on Him, not ourselves, and now a posture of honor. A posture of honor. I'm not going to go into any kind of tithing rant, but I think that, that this is key, that we will see the importance of giving the first and best parts of our lives to the Lord. And yes, that means our finances. And yes, that means our time. And yes, that that means our relationships and our gifts, our talents, and so on and so on and so on. A posture of honor means that we give the best of ourselves because we know he he has earned it and he deserves it. I think we have a habit of giving God our leftovers. And that's not honor. If we're giving God our leftovers, that's not honor. That's some kind of obligatory second thought. We want God to be honored with what we bring to the table because he has already given us eternity. Something that's far beyond anything that we could ever ask or imagine. I try to think about it this way. God gave me eternity. God gave my kids eternity, my wife eternity. If someone came to me and said, what would you pay? What would you give to make sure that your kids have eternity with Jesus? There's not anything I wouldn't give. I would give all my time. I would give all my resources. But God's not asking for that. He's asking for just the first, the best parts of my harvest, the best parts of my time, the best part of my finances. That, that as we step into things, we would say, man, the first parts, the best parts, those are Jesus's. 
And here's the thing. It says this at the end of the verse. It says this. It says, if you do that, if you if you honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first produce of your entire harvest, the best parts of your time, all of those things, then it says this, then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. We have to remember that God is not a God of scarcity. We don't have to be afraid that if we give the best of ourselves, he's not going to give us anything in return. He's already gave us the best of himself and he will continue to do that over and over and over again as we promise and vow and, and commit to surrender and give the best parts of ourselves to Jesus he just gets to remind us every day. And I already gave you the best part of myself. And I will do that over and over and over again. I am with you. So we got to have a posture of honor, a posture of loyalty, a posture of faithfulness, a posture of, of getting out of our own head and focusing our eyes on Jesus. We get to do that. So this week, would you practically work that out? Figure out what it means to honor the Lord above yourself, to, to be someone who has a posture they would say, Jesus, this is all about you, not about me. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.